Welcome into episode number 13, right? Is 13? it 13 or is it 14? I think, I think it's 13. 13. Yeah, that's right. Are we going to do a 13? Isn't that unlucky? <laughs> that's unlucky. Yeah, we, we're going to skip that. This is the Stick to Hockey podcast. I mean, this is the most superstitious athlete that exists. Yeah, and coming from two goalies, that doesn't help. Do you, do you have any of those? Any, like, really big superstitions? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, we'll get to, Actually, we'll get into those in a minute. Pretty okay. interesting. Um, all right, here's the uh, Stick to Hockey Podcast 13, and uh, it's Joe Torty along with Jason Martinez. Um, coming up a little bit later in this episode, um, our very own Pat Egan sat down with the athletics' Charlie O'Connor. Um, we get asked a lot about analytics um, and what they mean in hockey, and there's a whole analytics community like in, in most sports at this point. Obviously, analytics in sports is uh, a baseball thing first and foremost. That's To me, that's where it's the most value. Do you agree with that? Yeah, probably. Because in hockey and football and some of the other sports, analytics is... All, I'm not saying that it's useless or that it's um, like misleading or anything like that, but if you feel any certain way about a player or a team, there's probably an analytics stat that you can find that'll back up what you're saying. Just go to like I'mRight.com and you'll yeah. find it. And, and, and you know, on the other side of that, maybe refute what you believe <laughs> well, as well. Of course. Um, and there's certain guys that are you know analytic darlings and there are other guys that are analytic mutts, you know. Um, just like other sports, but the one thing that analytics can't measure in a sport like hockey, baseball is such a one-on-one sport in a lot of ways, you know, pitcher versus hitter. Sure. Those kind of things. It's a lot different in hockey because of the way you can support teammates. Yeah, It doesn't me- measure character, clutch. You know, those things don't get measured in analytics. Right. So well, I value analytics to an extent, and there are certain things, you know, in Corsi and all that, that I do value certain things about it. Um but in the grand scheme of things, it has to be a combination for me. Sure, of course. Well, because you think about from a goaltending test, right? A goaltending perspective, right? Savable shots, yeah, or, or you know things like that. Mm. Well, that's so subjective, right? Because yeah, what's a savable shot? Uh, One that I save. <laughs> well, but for a guy who plays super aggressively, right, like Jonathan Quick, yeah, his savable shot is completely different than Henrik Lundqvist. Should they yep. be, you know, weighed equally? Measured to me? the same. It, it's difficult because it's like, well, yeah, it might not have been a savable shot, but who asked you to be two feet out of the crease to begin with? You yeah. know what I mean? So. It's, it's hard to figure out, but uh, Charlie had a lot of good stuff to say about all this kind yeah. of stuff. So we'll have that coming up. Uh, Pat Egan and Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic, uh, formerly of uh, Broad Street Hockey. Uh, will I think he actually still has something to do with Broad Street Hockey, but uh, you'll find that out with Pat a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but we've got a lot to get to today. First and foremost, uh, a couple of uh, maintenance issues. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at StickToHockeyPod. Um, email us, at StickToHockeyBiz at gmail.com. And um, we're going to get into an episode coming up where we'll take a lot of questions from people. And we may be doing something coming up in a few weeks as well. We maybe we do a live show cool. on location somewhere. Nice. So we're in the process of maybe putting that together. Um, and keep hitting us up with questions on the podcast uh, Twitter page as well. Um, use the message board at Wildfire Radio slash sports. You can find the Stick to Hockey podcast there. So And there's some written content there you can check out as well. Um, but as we record this today, I mean, there's a, there's a big story in the NHL. Something has finally happened. And we're going to get into some disappointing players and teams so far this year in a little bit. But something has finally gone down in regards to Matt Duchesne. Now, this has been the soap opera of soap operas for over a year now since Duchesne asked for a trade out of, out of Colorado. And, you know, we kept wondering, and I was actually talking about this with, uh, with Keith Jones on Saturday at the Flyers game. Is Sackick ever going to come down off his ask? Because the Flyers are playing Colorado. So... I just couldn't imagine he was ever going to get what he was asking, but it seems like he got a really good deal, and he got a haul for Matt Duchesne. 
Well, the issue was that he was never going to get that from a single team. Yeah. So Sackick said, okay, well, let's bring in as many teams as it takes to get what I want, and that's exactly what happened. This is with a deal, by the way, Jay, that was uh, announced as dead. That it was oh, a Friday. non-starter, yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, it's another lesson. Hockey teaches us this year after year. It's A deal's never dead. Yeah. If somebody wants something... Until another deal is made, the, right. the other deal's being talked about, you're right, or not dead. Exactly. So, Matt Duchesne is now the newest member of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so, he's going to join Eric Carlson in the prime of his career. Ottawa pushing a lot of chips into the middle here to try and get, you know, take that team to the next level. And mind you, they're a team that went to the Eastern Conference Final last year. And uh, was one goal away from going to the cup final in Game 7. Right. And so. with, with all due respect to Connor McDavid, I, in my opinion, Eric Carlson is the second best player on the planet right now. And he's in his prime. You've got Duchesne for another year here. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, this might be the window. This might be it for yeah. Ottawa. So I applaud them for loading up. I really yeah. do. And, and you look at a team like Nashville, because they get involved. In They're now the third team involved in this. They grab Kyle Turris. Now, Torres, I think, has like three goals and six assists this year, something like that. Uh, I think he's 28 years old. Um, Otto was, was not going to be able to re-sign him from a money standpoint. So they flip him. They go. He now signs an extension down in Nashville. That's a win-win there. What a That win. makes Nashville better up the middle. It certainly does. They're talking about moving Nick Benito to the wing at this point, perhaps, with their versatility. How weird is that for Kyle Turris? He was in this almost exact same situation mm-hmm. years ago, the will-they-won't-they they kind of thing. Yeah. To watch it play out with somebody else like Matt Duchesne and to have him be a part of the deal. Hockey's a weird game sometimes, man, when yeah. these things come full circle like that. Well, here's the other part of the deal, and this is what uh, Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche received. They got a haul here. They got a third overall pick. They parted ways with the third overall pick. That was Matt Duchesne. They got defenseman Samuel Gerard, forward uh, Vladislav Kamenov, goaltender Andrew Hammond. Remember the Hamburglar? Of course. Yeah, he's uh, 29 now. Yep. Shane Bowers. They also got a 2018 conditional first-round pick, a 2018 second-rounder, and a 2019 third-rounder. So th- I mean, he got a massive haul. Now, he gave up a good player. No doubt. He's a great face-off guy. I think he's like a 60% face-off guy. Still top three speed guy in the NHL. Yep. And so he he gave up a good one, but he got a good, really good return. And, it, and it's not often that you see a good return given up for a guy that everybody and their uncle knew was going to be traded, and the situation was untenable. Yeah. Somehow really Sackick pulled this off. I don't know how he did, but he did. Uh, if you don't know Gerard's name, you will in a little oh, bit. Yeah. Uh, because if you consider McDavid and Crosby ungradable prospects, they're like way off the charts, yep. and then you've got um, like Austin Matthews is like an A-level prospect. Gerard at this point is like a B or a B plus. He's like he's going to yep. be really, really good in he's a like couple Ivan years. like Ivan Provorov. Yeah, exactly. That kind of prospect where you know, just to it's just a matter of time. He's played in five NHL games. It's a matter of time before he is just... And he's going to get the ice in Colorado. Exactly. He's going to get the ice. So, um, yeah, it's a really good trade. It looks to me like a good trade from all around. And I hate grading trades, especially right away. You know, sometimes just because a guy performs better in another situation doesn't... that doesn't tell the whole story. For example, you look at the Adam Larson trade along with uh, uh, Hall, Taylor yep, Hall. Taylor Hall. You go, well, Taylor Hall's ripping it up this year. Larson was great last year, but and he's falling on hard times. It, it's what a team needs. It's just because you can't match it up. It just doesn't match up that way for me a lot of times. But that being said, um, th- this is a huge deal to finally get done, and we can finally move on to other things to talk about. 
you know, than this Matt Duchesne drama that was happening out there. But good on everybody for getting it done. Yeah, this is one that we, we were talking in the hallways here before we started recording. We said, everybody won this one. Nashville, you don't know how long they their, their window's going to be. They got a guy like Kyle Turris they think can help them big time. Ottawa's loading up as well. And we kind of confirmed what we already knew. Colorado's not going to be competing for anything in the near future here, so you might as well load up a one, two, three, and and players. I mean, come on. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and actually, oddly enough, Colorado's off to a pretty decent start. Weird, especially right? Especially considering where they were last year. I mean, they're a team right now, and they beat the Flyers on Saturday night. Duchesne scored his last, last goal as a Colorado Avalanche in that game. Uh, they're eight and six on the season, and it was weird because when he got traded, he played a couple of minutes in that game, and then they got were, yanked off the yeah, bench. Yeah, the conversation on the bench, and wh- why not end it in a weird way as well? And they pull him off the bench, goes back, gets his stuff, flies out to Ottawa while the team, while the Colorado Avalanche are still playing. So, pretty wild stuff. <laughs> totally but weird. That, that's the NHL, and look, uh, um, Ottawa got themselves a good hockey player uh, for sure in Matt Duchesne. Uh, but Joe, one of the things we want to go through today too is you know looking around the league, there's been a, a number of players and a number of teams that have been pretty disappointing. And I want to go through a first, let's go through a couple of the players first and foremost. And the guy I'm going to start with is Carey Price. We talked about him in our bold prediction show. Um, Since that injury a couple years ago, I think it happened in November, two years ago, he's had moments where he's been good. He was good in the World Cup. I mean, you could have been good in that World Cup playing in front of that team. (laughs) But that being said, he hasn't been the same goalie consistently for a couple of years now, he just got signed that new eight-year deal. If they can't get Carey Price right, and he's out right now, and what Claude Julian said is an injury, I'm not buying that for a, heart, a second. This, he's, he's not injured. This is not an I told you so moment for me, yeah. so I don't want but it to it come is. off as yeah. one. I have never been on the Carey Price is way better than everybody else on the planet. Well, there was a period of time where he was better than everybody else. But yeah, there was a period where Yaroslav Malak was like that. Yeah, 2010. You know what? Like everybody get. And so when I I said that, I thought that there would be some kind of regression to the mean. I didn't know that it would be like this. Here's the weird part of this. He's a below average goalie. And they won five out of their last seven at the time that we're recording this. It's bizarre. Like yeah. I have no idea what's going on. I do, it doesn't look like an injury thing to me. It looks like a, a lost thing to yeah, me. A <laughs> mental thing, no doubt. That's exactly right. So that is a weird situation, especially after giving them all that money. You know that Montreal Montreal's a hot spot in terms of the lights that are on you, the attention, the pressure. Especially for a goalie, yeah. I'm telling you, man, it, it's weird. And he's never been a player that struck me as mentally weak. So I don't know what's going on here. Well, yeah, he, he struggled a little bit and, and as a number one draft pick or, or as the first round draft pick, didn't grab the crease and Halak did back in 2010. And then they eventually traded Halak. But you look at the situation with him right now, his numbers are horrific. He has not performed well at all. His save percentage is way down. He looks lost out there. You can tell when, when you watch him play, and we'll get a little go- geeky goalie here on of it. Of course. Um, when, you, when he's playing well, he's what I would term very quiet. Yes. You know, very minimal in his movements. He doesn't overslide the blue paint. He's not flopping around. He plays like Martin Jones and Matt Murray. Yeah, like very under control. Quiet guys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the goalie's best thing, to be in the right spot. And that's what he's lived and died on. Um, he's not a guy that's, I mean, he makes flashy saves. But he's not a guy that gets himself out of position and has to bail himself out. So the fact that you're watching, he's misreading plays. His confidence is shot. So I don't think he's hurt. I think he's a guy right now that the Canadians said, dude, let's get, just get you away for a week, maybe two weeks, let you rebuild, go back to the basics, work on positioning, getting your head back straight, and not doing this in front of the, the shiny lights of games. 
and get you going again. Because if they don't get him going, Joe, they're dead. They are. They're dead. Well, they're floating right now. Like I said, they've gone on a nice little string here. But, Jay, we've both been through, well, I can't speak for you. I can only assume that you've been through cold streaks in your career men's league. Of course, yeah, yeah. whatever. And, And when you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, my team is playing relatively well and they might lose games because mm-hmm. of me, it's the complete opposite feeling of I'm trying to steal one for my team here yeah. and things like that. It's completely opposite. And those things can snowball and compound if you let them. Well, there's there's a weird thing in goaltending. And I've talked to a lot of guys, uh, talked to Brian Boucher about this before and, and other guys that played in the NHL. And, and if you played the position at any sport – you, like if you're in baseball, if you walk up to the plate, the ball looks bigger. Mm-hmm. You know certain things like mentally. You, you know, as a goalie, when things are not going well, you can turn around and you can look at your net, and you go, "Oh my God, I feel like this net is ten times my size." <laughs> that, that's what you feel like. You look at it, and other times you look at that net and you go, "Oh my God, I'm filling the whole thing." Right, yeah, you can't see anything around me. You know, it's just a, it's a mental feeling of confidence. And Price clearly doesn't have it right now. Well, His numbers this year, Joe. He's three seven and one. He's got a three seven seven goals against average. What? And a eight seven seven save percentage, which I think amongst goalies that have played five or more games is second or third worst in the NHL. I can feel for Price because when I'm not playing well, pucks touch me and then go in, and that's what's going on with him. They're yeah. going in off his elbows, off his thigh pads. Or thing. I had that one. Where, yeah. where did that go? You're watching that happen with him over and over again. It's really frustrating. You can see him. He's not a guy who's going to come out and speak about how frustrated he is or rattled he is or anything like that. He's not that kind of player, but you can see it in his body language that he is just not feeling right right now. Yeah, and you combine that with bad uh, offensive start for the Canadians as well, and that doesn't help. All right, uh, any other players sticking out to you of guys that uh, started this season a little lackluster? Well, I'm disappointed in a specific Besides player. Niemi? Well, you know, we don't talk about him anymore. Yeah. I- I'll take the L on that one. I'm fine with that. It's another Penguin, though, that I, uh, I am disappointed in at this point for a completely different reason. Connor... Sherry, don't call me Sherry. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You're a two-time cup winner, and you can't bother to tell anybody that we've been saying your name wrong for your entire career. Do you wouldn't believe how much this happens in this sport? <laughs> it drives me crazy. Every time a team comes in, we ask for pronunciations, and with the, the out-of-town announcers, right. the, the, who, who's the home their team announcer, and ultimately they say, well, this guy changed his pronunciation to this. This guy changed his pronunciation to that. I mean... It's crazy. It's your name. Like, yeah. If your name was Jason Meyer Titus, yeah. why in the world? It's your name. Why did you let it go on? <laughs> I don't understand. No, I so get it. That, that was something that popped up earlier uh, that I, I was really scratching my head at. I don't get it. You just don't want to inconvenience us? Trust me. Inconvenience us. It's fine. Um, and looking at the standings, um, there's, a, there's some usual suspects in usual places. Like if you look, obviously, you know, St. Louis is leading the Central. Uh, Winnipeg's up there. They're having a good year. They sure right? are. They, and they had a lot of talent there. L.A. leading the Pacific. Uh, the West is a little bit odd because Vegas is in second place. They go in the other day into uh, Ottawa on Saturday and get a 5-4 win on the road, right? You ready to take the L on Vegas or are you, uh, you well, still no, hanging no, in there? No, okay. no, they're not going to make the playoffs. I didn't say that. Top two-thirds. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but then when I look at the standings, let's say in the Western Conference, I look yeah. at a team like Edmonton who came in with a ton of expectations. People were talking cup. Um, they were talking about this team in their third year of Connor McDavid getting to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup because Crosby did it in his third mm-hmm. year. Yep. Now, it looks like they read a lot of the newspapers and came in a little fat because they're not playing like that. A lot of sizzle, no stake with that team. Not good up the middle. Uh, they get rid of Jordan Everly. That's sh- that's shown up. I look at this team and I'm going, huh? 
yeah. what's going on here. They don't look like a good team at all right well, now. They don't look like a playoff team. Forget a, a Stanley four, Cup eight, contender. They're 4-8-1. That's brutal. Yeah. I mean, look, you think about this. When you get out of the start, out of the gates like this, you're going to have to play like 10 games over 500 the rest of the way to have a shot. Now, they can do it because they have talent, but, I mean, there's other teams in this same boat, like the Rangers. Are they a team that they starting to look a little bit better lately? They're better than they've played, aren't they? You, I mean, that well, talent. You I don't know. Think, I think they're old. Well, they might be, but they have tried to do a rehaul and and try to rebuild things. And I don't, I I don't know if they're going to be a team that's at the top of the metro, but they have to be better than they've played. I yeah. think. Well, you look at a team like Chicago. I mean, look, they're in the Central Division right now. They're in second last place. I guess fifth. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sixth place in the division. Now they're tied with four other teams. So basically they're in third and they're only six or seven points out of the top spot and only one point back at the second spot. But Chicago's a team too, seven, six, and two. Very uh, inconsistent. You're seeing a lot of the teams that you thought would be good be very inconsistent. Well, it's not all doom and gloom for Chicago. You would think that Colorado is going to drop off there at an eight and six start. You'd think that they're going to start to go south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a really talented Central Division. I mean, you're looking at the top of that St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas. That's no joke. That's a murderer's row. So the the Blackhawks have to get moving here if they're going to make a move up the standings. Yeah, one of the other teams that's been a bit of a disappointment for a lot of people, and this team became the sexy pick. Because you know the young blue line they have in Carolina. And they have not gotten off to a good start. They didn't have a lot of games in the beginning of the year. They had a weird scheduling situation. They still have only played 12 games. But right now, 4-5-3. and three. They got 11 points, and they're in the bottom spot of the Metro. And, I, and I'm convinced at this point, like, six teams in the Metro are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm starting to think that, too. It's insane. In Carolina, it's not that they're brutally bad to watch. They're playing a tough Metro schedule, but... There's a culture element to this thing where Carolina mm-hmm. hasn't, they had the one cup run, and then since then it's kind of been a little bit more of a slow down pace for them. They haven't been a team that's won a lot of games. It's going to be a team that needs to grow organically and learn how to do that. And they're facing off against a lot of teams in the Metropolitan that have had a ton of success in recent history. So they're going to take their lumps this season. Yeah, probably. And the Flyers right now are such a banged up team. They're in the midst of 10 games with Western Conference opponents. <sighs> 10 games straight against Western Conference teams. And you know those are big, heavy teams. Not fun teams to play when you're hurt. (laughs) And, you know, to get the win over a team like Colorado, or not Colorado, to get the win in St. Louis, the 2-0 shutout that Michael Neuvert got, was huge for them. But you can't face the Arizona Coyotes on Monday and the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday and only come away with two points on home ice. They had five shots in the first period against Colorado. They had three shots against Arizona in the first period. I don't know if they got to tell the players that the game time is a half hour earlier or whatever (laughs) it is. They end up shoot, out shooting these teams in the end. Yep. But the first period, they are chasing games. And I know they're really hurt on defense, and they're going to need to try and get Radko Gudis back and starting all these young defensemen is not ideal. Um, two things need to get better for the Flyers. They need to get healthy, number one. Number two, they got to get off to better starts, and the goaltending has to become much more consistent. It's been good at points with Elliott, a little less so than Neuvert. Neuvert's been really good a couple of times. Yes, he has. High save percentage. Saturday was not his greatest game. But they got to get more consistent and better goaltending. There's nobody. They're going nowhere. There's no one who's grabbed the net. No. We we expected that a little bit this year. Maybe one of them would. It hasn't been the case yet. Obviously, with goalies, anytime somebody can get hot at a drop of a hat, obviously. Elliott, Neuvert. And Neuvert's been pretty good his entire career. Just can you stay healthy? I'm expecting somebody to seize the net before the season. I thought it might be Elliott, and I still I think, think he's gotten the opportunity, happen. but hasn't done it. Exactly. And the, and the other thing with Elliott, and we're going to get on to Pat Egan with uh, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic in a second. Uh, Brian Elliott, it does take a little bit of time for a goalie to get used to playing in front of, behind a new team. Yep. Um, that happened to him last year. 
in Calgary. You know, that always happens. There's a little bit of an adjustment period. You know, a play, you know, Freddie Anderson in Toronto sure. had to get used to that Mike Babcock way of of letting shots get to the net or blocking shots or whatever. Instead whatever of Anaheim is. just rolling out all studs on the blue line. Yeah, <laughs> you know what it's I mean? totally different. So th- there is an adjustment period. We'll see if Brian Elliott's able to grab the grab the crease and keep it going. All right, but let's get to uh, uh, Pat Egan along with Charlie O'Connor. This is your analytics, uh, what do we want to call this, like a education period if you don't know? Or yeah, it's a crash course. It's a crash course in analytics with Pat Egan and Charlie O'Connor right now. Welcome into the 13th episode, I believe, of the Sick to Hockey podcast. Uh, I am Pat Egan. I am uh, hosting today. Uh, and the last time I was on this podcast, it didn't it didn't go so well for me. I made some uh, bold, some would call bold, many would call stupid predictions that have already just have not gone my way at all. And I'm joined, by the way, by Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic. Uh, he's the lead Flyers beat writer for them. But I just need to own some of these egregious mistakes that I had. Josh Hosang will finish second behind John Tavares. Already been sent down. Yeah, that, that might make it a little bit harder for him to finish second in points on that team. Just a bit. Cody Glass will, will lead Vegas in points. Didn't make the team. It's a bold strategy, Kotlin. Let's see if it pays off. The Rangers will have the most impressive D in the league. Oh, boy. They look like a blind man trying to find his way through New York City. I, it, it's been bad. The Habs are the team to beat in the East. They've looked better of they're, late. They're getting, it, they're getting it going, but yeah, they're not going to be the team to beat in the East. They've looked better of late. Um... And then, uh, you know, the ones I had were like Charlie McAvoy will contend for Rookie of the Year and Ben Bishop will win Vesnia and some other ones. But uh, yeah, early on, let me just own it up right now. Have has not gone my way. All right. But hey, there's still time. We can still turn it around. Um, yeah. So as I said, I'm joined by Charlie O'Connor. He's the league beat, lead beat writer for the Athletics Philadelphia site. Um, they've been in, in business now for almost three months, right? Uh, we launched like the day after Labor Day. So... Almost two months, but like then the, the overall site's been going for over a year. You so. didn't want to you didn't want to launch on Labor Day for some reason. That wasn't the plan. That so Tuesday cel- had to be on a Tuesday. Celebrate working by not working. Exactly. Smart move. Um. So how's it how's it been going? How do you like it? It's been great. Uh, truthfully, you know, for the last five six years, I've been covering the Flyers, but I've been doing it in my you know basically in my spare time as a as a second job. And what's been so awesome is this year having the time to not only write as much as I want to write about the team, uh, but also be able to cover them on a daily basis. So I, you know, just today I came from practice, you know, getting quotes from players, getting a better understanding of what's actually going on, and then obviously covering the games, which I've always done. But it's just allowed me to have you know more access, and I think give my articles more more depth and more uh, more topics and more information for the readers, which is really what I want to do. Yeah, your articles I find just utterly fascinating, and it will come as no surprise to anybody that reads your articles that you went to you went to an Ivy League school because I mean the, the stuff you're breaking down is just at times I feel like uh I, I feel like the guy from the hangover doing uh playing playing twenty one, playing blackjack because it's oh, just, the, the letters oh, and numbers. Oh yeah the numbers and <laughs> the letters going everywhere. Because you're the way you, you view the game is such an analytical approach, but it's not you know, Doug Peterson going forward on fourth and eight analytics. It's like smart analytics, and you you do well breaking down the the game for um you know the idiots like me. Um, and you and you did a, you did a great job at, at uh, Broad Street Hockey. I was so happy to he- see that you got hired by the Athletic. And as soon as you did, um, I subscribed. Got got a comfy T shirt for free. I'm glad you got it. I know um, it took a while for some people. Yeah, to it's get been, it's been a, it's been a great. I think I I think I got it in on a deal. It's been like a great like forty bucks. Whatever I spent on it, it's been a, well worth it. Um, and the coverage you guys do all around has been great, but um, enough of the praise. Um, let me get to the team. You came from practice today. We're recording this on Tuesday. You came from practice. 
Last night, they lost a tough one to the Coyotes. Coyotes got their first win of the season. Had to come against Philadelphia. It's just, Look, they it's came back. It's just they classic came, Philadelphia. No, they came back. They got a point. They, 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 they fought for it, and they got a point, um, which they looked dead at one point. But the Coyotes, the, the Yotes are good at Yotes, if you will. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but they ended up winning in overtime, um, and, and they suffered the loss. Um, what, did you, what did you notice at practice today? So the big, I think the big story at practice today was just injuries. The Flyers, I, I'm in the process of writing an article about this, and I'll finish it up when I get home. But basically, the Flyers lucked out big time in training camp and preseason where they didn't really lose anyone to injury. Shane Gossesbear got banged up the final game of the of the preseason, and therefore they had to carry a defenseman on the trip. But he never missed a game. So the Flyers really hadn't dealt with many injuries until the past week, week and a half. You know, it started with uh, Andrew McDonald going down for four to six weeks. Then Nolan Patrick got a concussion. Then Shane Gossesbear uh, actually got hurt. He took a, a dirty hit for from Leo Komarov on Saturday night. And then there was a bizarre story with regards to Sam Moran. They, they, they were going to call up Sam Moran to replace Gossespierre. They announced it on the website on Sunday. He showed up on Monday at Flyers, you know, the Flyers facilities at, at Wells Fargo, and he was actually hurt. So then they had to call up Mark Alt, who is more of like an AHL lifer type. Yeah. Uh, they got him from Carolina He's years a ago. Second round pick. Yeah, yeah. Former second round pick. They got him from Cal- uh, Carolina years ago, I think, in the, the Brian Boucher trade. Uh, but he's just kind of been sitting in the AHL. You know, he's been decent there, nothing special, but they had to call him up because they had no one else. TJ Brennan probably would have been the call up, but he's hurt. Um, obviously, Moran couldn't play, and that surprised the Flyers. I don't think they believe that he was that he was hurt, but it was one of those deals where, like, he so desperately wants to be back in the NHL. He obviously missed out on the roster, like, yeah. last cut, and he got that call. He probably thought, well, I could probably play through this, and then he, you know, woke up on Monday, realized he couldn't, so they had to call up, call up Mark Alt. Gosses Bear and Patrick, they announced that they are not going on the trip. So there's a road trip this week. They're playing in Chicago and St. Louis. So Gosses Bear and Patrick, well, Ron Hextall said that they are both day to day. Day to day apparently means missing two games because they're not going on the road trip. Uh, so because of that, they have to not only keep Mark Alt with the team, they also called up Will O'Neill, who's another more of like a like a quad A guy type. Uh, he's older than Mark Alt. He's really not even a prospect anymore at this point, but he's he's not bad. He's not a bad. AHL player probably going to use him as a seventh defenseman and use Alt as the sixth at least for the next two games and I guess the hope is is that both Patrick and Gossesbear will be ready for Saturday when the Flyers come back to Philadelphia but it, it, it seems like they're both dealing with head injuries so you never know what's going to happen with those types of things yeah the, the the defensive position was such a strength for them coming out of camp you finally had all these young guys like Robert Hag and like Moran um, Provorov coming into his second year and Gossespierre coming into his third. And it was such a strength, and now it's just banged up. I mean, it's, I want to say it's funny, but it is kind of funny that he shows up from getting called up and they're like, well, you're damaged goods right now. Exactly. Um, so it's just, you know, it's bad luck to hitting them. But this is a team who started off real strong. And, and one of my predictions that I just remembered was that it will be the last year of, of Hackstall. And I did not expect them to make the playoffs, and they're, they're really proving me wrong um, very early on. Uh, the right now they're in the they're in the playoff picture. Granted, it's ridiculously early to even talk playoffs. I mean, it's absolutely insane to talk about. But one guy who has really impressed me, and I think a lot of Flyers fans, and hasn't so much impressed a guy like you who's been looking at the advanced uh, stats and really praised this guy for a while now. But Sean Couturier, I mean, this guy is second on the team in points, only behind Voracek. He's got 15. I think last season he had seven goals, and this season he's got he's already got like eight. 
or something like that. Yeah, he's got, I believe he has nine, because he had two goals against uh, the Coyotes, including yeah, one that, nine, that tied the game with uh, with 15 seconds left, which you know really seemed like it was going to put a dagger in the heart of the Coyotes team that just could not buy a win. But no, Couturier this year, it's funny. I was looking up the uh, you know his ranking in the goals uh, goals category in the NHL, and he has the same amount of goals as Austin Matthews. He has one less goal than, than Alex Ovechkin. Like, obviously, those guys can create their own shots. Couturier really can't. He doesn't have the speed or the, the puck skills to do it. But what's happening really with him is that he's just on the perfect line for his skill set. Well, and finally, right? Because it was yeah. always like... You know, when he got the contract extension, you heard a lot of Flyers fans say, why are we paying this guy that much money when he's a third-line player? And a lot of, I'll call them educated Flyers fans, would say, well, you don't realize what he does. He's a shutdown number, like, you really, you can consider him a number one center. He just doesn't play on the first or second line. But when he actually plays, I think his uh, 5-on-5-60 Point. Point like, 60, it, yeah. yeah, it was like it was leading the team at one point. Yeah, yeah, it was. And finally, he's given that opportunity. Exactly. The, the, the thing that always dragged down Couturier's numbers, and it's actually really interesting that we're talking about this because of the news from the past couple of days. But what always dragged down his numbers was that he has been atrocious on the power play. At 5-on-5, five five, he's always, well, at least over the last two years, he's been very, very good, both from a scoring standpoint and in terms of, you know, outcomes like shot differential. He's done great. But on the power play, he just has not been able to contribute at all. And that was what made it so interesting that in addition to the fact that at 5-on-5, five five, he's now with uh, Drew and Voracek, and he's playing this role as like the guy who goes to the net and makes himself a target for all of their passes, because they're obviously both pass-first pass, pass guys. Now... They moved him up to the top power play unit, which is a bold move considering how much he struggled on the power play in his career. But last night he scored a goal, and it was it was a very it wasn't like a fluky goal. It was a one timer from the slot that Braden Shen and Scott Hartnell have had done in that unit for years. And maybe this is a case of them thinking, well, if he's scoring more at even strength, maybe the confidence is there, and we can put him on the power play. Maybe he can turn this thing around, but. If he holds on to that spot on the top power play unit because he, he pushed Valtteri Filippola out, who had gotten the first crack at it, combined with being on the first line with Drew and Voracek, like, there's real potential for him to, you know, obviously not keep scoring at this pace. I don't think he's going to stay with Austin Matthews and Alex Ovechkin, but, like, the big threshold for him has been he's never passed 40 points. Like, he's going to roll past that if he stays on the top power play unit and on the top line and stays healthy. Yeah, he's already got 15 right now, 15 and 12 games. And I think one thing that people forget is just how young this guy is. He's 24 years old. I think this is his seventh season. He came right into the NHL from juniors. He was drafted eighth overall in that that deal that sent um, Carter to to Columbus. Um, so you'd think, all right, he's you know he's been here for a while. He's a little a veteran, and he is, but he's still extremely young. Like this guy, it's probably four years away from really his his peak uh, prime, if you will. Um, but another guy who's, who stepped up after a, a couple of subpar seasons, and I think he would. He would say so if you asked him. Um, but he was battling injuries. Claude Giroux, the captain. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really interesting over the offseason trying to evaluate him because you looked at all of his numbers, and there were really, really concerning trends. Like, everything was down. You, you talked about five-on-five five points per 60, which is essentially, if, if, you're, if you don't, you're not aware of the, the stat, it's basically just five-on-five five points, but you account for how much ice time a guy got. So if a guy's getting tons of ice time and not scoring that much, his five-on-five five points per 60 is going to look like garbage. And Drew was scoring last year like a fourth-liner at five-on-five five when you accounted for his ice time, and that was... It's crazy because you know this is the guy who you know maybe was never actually the best player in the world like Peter Laviolette claimed he was, but he was 
easily top ten best forwards in the world for a good three to four year period. And, and that and that that line killed him. I mean, I love Lavi, but you know, I, I feel like in Philadelphia we tend to um, we have something special in a player, and then we raise them up on a pedestal. And when they're not a five tool god that we made him out to be, we immediately start trashing them. Right. So for you know, when Claude Giroux goes out there and says, "I want the first shift against the Penguins." lays out Crosby, scores a goal, you're like, oh my god, this guy is incredible. And then, you know, he's battled injuries, the, the fluke injury on the golf club, and now it's like, yeah, I, I, I play uh, men's league hockey, not well at all, um, <laughs> and a couple guys, you know, we were getting ready to go out, and they were talking, shooting the crap about the, the Flyers, and one guy said, they gotta strip him of the sea and give it to Dwayne Simmons. And I'm like, that, w- no! Like, that's just stupid logic, but but this is the, this is where it's gotten to Claude Giroux, in the sense of like people just think that it's the C that has dragged him down and not the injuries. And from an outsider's perspective, that does not look at all the stats that you do. I just look at it as a guy being finally healthy, yeah. surrounded by good players. It, it's played a huge role. I, I honestly believe it. And you could tell just from, from camp. Like This was the first camp that I could watch every day of practice and actually see what the coaches are seeing on a daily basis. And, you know... It was so hard not to watch him and not think to yourself, man, this guy looks faster. And you try to take a step back because you wonder, am I just seeing what I want to see rather than what is actually the case? But you're watching these shifts and you're watching even them do, you know, line rushes and whatnot. And he's leading the team, you know, maybe behind like Sanheim or Gosses Bear. And you're thinking, you know, this guy's skating way better than he's skated over the past two seasons, without a doubt. And then you had to see if it if it came, if it if it, you know. If it showed up in the actual games, because it could show up in practice and then a guy isn't that good in the games. But to, to Dave Haxall's credit, and I know you mentioned you thought this was going to be his last year. A lot of fans are very frustrated with him, and I understand why. But to Haxall's credit, it seems like he made a really, really smart decision putting him at wing on this Katuri-Voracek line, because that line has been fantastic, basically, from the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, Jake Voracek, I think, had a down year last season. Uh, this year, he's back he's back to that Jake Voracek that special player that we saw a couple years ago he's got 16 points in 12 games um he's up there with the leaders and assists right now in the NHL um you're a big guy into uh you're able to kind of predict looking at stats you're able to predict predict if a guy will keep keep it going and if a guy is just on a kind of a hot streak and it's frayed if you will the, the the stats um what are some guys on this team that should the stats are, you know, it's just not going their way right now. And what are some guys that are overperforming and eventually it'll come back down to earth? That's an interesting question. Uh, So one guy who I would say is probably overperforming based on what the numbers are telling me, and it's a guy who a lot of people have been really excited about in the early going is, is Robert Haig. Uh, He was the guy who kind of won the job first because they, they had two spots available in camp. Hay got the first job, and then Moran and Sandheim were kind of in in limbo for for a while for for a few about a week before they officially sent Moran down and said Sandheim, you won the second spot. But Hay has been a guy who a lot of people have really liked, and he's definitely shown some some great signs. I think particularly in coverage in the defensive zone, he hasn't made many mistakes. But if you look at his the, like how the team has done in terms of shot differential with him on the ice, like. They're not allowing much, but they're also not creating much offense in terms of shots and in terms of quality of shots. Where Haig is kind of lucked out in a sense is that on the times when they do actually create a good chance, they're scoring. And that's great in the short term because it means that Flyers are outscoring the other team when he's on the ice. But if he keeps getting buried in shot differential, that's probably not going to continue. And, you know, Haig's a guy where it's funny, I, I, I'm probably going to be writing an article about the, about this 
in over the next few days is that I feel like a lot of fans are getting frustrated with Sanheim and getting really high on Haig. And I think, you know, maybe they're a little bit too high on Haig and a little bit too low on Sanheim because Sanheim's making the rookie mistakes, but he's also making a lot more offensive plays than Robert Haig is. So those are two guys where maybe Sanheim is probably due for a market correction in a positive way. And Haig might in the coming weeks end up being on the ice for a lot more goals against than people are hoping for. All right, Shane Gossespair, another guy who did not have a good season last year, came on the scene and was a Rookie of the Year finalist, the Calder Cup, uh, Calder Trophy, I'm sorry. Um, and last year, he took a step back. From an outsider's perspective, once again, I thought it was his deep pairing. You, you put him with players that didn't, you know, he had to make up the room. Um, and this year, it's not so much the case. Am I wrong in that assessment or... What's your take on him? Yeah, Gossip Bear's year last year was so weird because you know you mentioned Giroux with you looking at him and saying, well, he was just hurt. Like, Ghost had the same surgery. So, granted, Ghost is younger, but you would assume that had some sort of impact on his quality of play last year as well. And Ghost just had a strange year. He had a strange year by the numbers. He had a strange year with regards to the coaching staff. Like, he obviously got scratched a bunch of times, which... You know, the the coaching staff in the front office still stands behind that decision as something that they feel was necessary for his development. But I think it definitely got in the head of Ghost, and he started kind of questioning his game. Um, He got pushed down the lineup. He was basically playing third-pair minutes. And there were some things that, granted, not to say that Ghost's year was perfect by any means. It wasn't, especially in coverage in the first half of the season. He was getting lost. He was taking bad risks, and, and it was turning into goals against, but... A lot of his problems were just the fact that he couldn't and his teammates could not buy a goal with him on the ice. Like the stat that I point to a lot of times in trying to explain like the idea of like sometimes you just get unlucky when you're on the ice. Like I think Gossespierre at five on five, his team, including him, but like his team like scored on an average of about like 4.8% of his shots of the shots that were taken by the Flyers. Nick Schultz, who no one is going to confuse for an offensive dynamo, the Flyers scored on 10% of their shots when he was on the ice. Oh, wow. So, like, sometimes you're Nick Schultz, and everybody just happens to score when you're on the ice. And sometimes you're Shane Goss's bear, and no one can put the puck in the net when you're on the ice. And because no one's putting the puck in the net, you're not getting points. And then the coaching staff looks at you and says, well, there's this guy who is an offensive defenseman who can't score. If he's not scoring, what good is he? And, like, some of that was him. Some of that was just bad luck. And then it snowballs because the coaching staff scratches him. Then Ghost starts questioning himself. Then everything just gets worse and worse and worse. And luckily, by the end of the year, it seemed like the coaching staff and Ghost kind of came to an understanding. Ghost made enough changes to make them happy. And the bounces started going his way enough that he was actually getting some points. He finished strong. And then this year, I mean, before this injury that happened due to the Komarov hit, uh, he's been looking really like kind of like the same old ghost, which is obviously really positive for Flyers fans. All right, so I, I, I follow you on Twitter, and, and everybody out there should, at uh, Charlie O underscore Con with two N's. And you put out an interesting tweet a couple days ago saying that this might be the year that the Washington Capitals just aren't that good. Um, and I want to talk about some surprises that aren't the Vegas Golden Knights. We can touch on them if you want, um, but uh, yeah, what they're doing is incredible out there, but... There are a lot of surprises going on right now. And once again, it's early. It's a month into the season. Less than that, actually. Um, but but what, is, what is the deal with, with the Capitals? Yeah, the Capitals, it's, 
they obviously lost a lot of talent in the offseason, no question. You know, they lost, uh, you know, they obviously lost Shattenkirk. They lost Nate Schmidt, who was the guy who they were expecting to, to move up. Um, they lost, uh, they lost Marcus Johansson. They lost Justin Williams. Like, they lost a lot of talent. But you looked at their roster and you said, they still have enough that they're going to be good. Well, they, yeah, because Ovechkin starts off the season yeah. scoring basically the Ovechkin in, yeah. what, two games or something like yeah, that? It was he insane. Was, he was rolling. I, I just, with the Capitals, you look at it and, the guys that they're bringing up, they're, they're injured. So Matt Niskanen being hurt hurts them a lot because he's, a very, in my mind, a very, very underrated defenseman. He's maybe their best all-around defenseman on that team. So him being out for a while hurts them dramatically. They're having to call guys up who maybe aren't ready. Madison Bowie got the call. He he got the call right before the Flyers game when the Flyers beat them 8-2 and, like, Jake Voracek literally like undressed him yeah, well, on the rush. It they, was one of the worst defensive rush coverages I've ever seen. Yeah, they called up, I believe, two defensemen that game, right? He was one, and then uh, Juice was the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've they've had a lot of guys filling in who just aren't that good. And you look you look past that, like even their underlying numbers aren't that good. You know, sometimes, like you brought up Montreal earlier. Montreal is a team where, yeah, they weren't winning. But when your team has like an 88 save percentage and your goaltenders carry price, you can sort of assume like, well, once he figures it out, they're going to be good again. Yeah. Whereas with the Capitals, like they're getting outshot almost every single night. And that's scary for a team that was dominant at five on five for the past three to four years. Like, do I think they're going to get it back together to a degree? Yeah. Like, I still think they're a playoff team. But if even if they get everybody back. I'm not sure if this is a real contender anymore, which obviously, you know, you always wondered you know, last year. The big thing was like, is this their last chance? And then obviously they didn't win. They lost the the Penguins in the second round. But was that their last chance? It might have been. You know, Vetchkin's getting older. A lot of these guys are getting older. And maybe that was their last best opportunity to win a cup. All right. Can you uh, talk about the Vegas Golden Knights situation? With and I'm going to butcher his name, but Vadimir uh, Shipachev. Oh, Shipachev, I believe is, yep. is the correct right, pronunciation. Sure, let's go with like he played like two <laughs> NHL games. You know, um, he's he's about to be an awesome player for Dynamo over in the KHL. Going back to the K. But this is a guy that they signed for a lot of money. And granted, I I think a big part of it was to get to the the floor of the of the you know CBA of the of the cap. Um, but this has just been a cluster f. I, I mean, it's just been an absolute disaster. With what's going on in there, I mean, what's your kind of take on it? it it's really a fascinating story, and and one guy I follow on Twitter, uh, Dmitry Filipovich, he works for uh, for Sportsnet, I believe, uh, in Canada. He made a really good point, and he said there's either there's there's one of two explanations for this: either they signed him and they actually weren't that high on him, and in that case, why did you give him nine million dollars to a guy you're not that high on, or they were high on him and they changed their minds within a month. Both of which seem bizarre because, like, why would you turn so dramatically on a player or why would you give a guy that much money if you were willing to turn on him that quickly? To me, this is a classic example of a team that they're obviously off to a fantastic start. And I think when it first started, like, the reason why they sent him down originally was not necessarily because he was playing poorly. It was because he was one of the few guys who was waiver-exempt and they could send through uh, to the AHL without having to risk losing him for nothing. And their thought process was, well, we'll send him down, he'll be a team player, We'll then we'll trade some defensemen, bring him back up, and everything will be peachy. 
And I think what probably happened was he just got ticked off about it. He just said, look, you signed me to play. You signed me to be literally your number one center. I'm not going to play in the AHL. This is ridiculous. And then you get into the whole thing where, oh, it's a Russian who doesn't, you know, who isn't isn't a team guy and he's not willing to play the game. And like then head you know people butt heads Another and Nikita Filatov yeah like that's what happens you know the, you have these teams that have these opinions of 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 Russian players and honestly it's kind of, it kind of sucks because it prevents some really talented Russian players from coming over because they have these preconceived notions but you you add that in tandem with the fact that the the, the Knights are winning they're winning a ton of games and I'm pretty sure the way they looked at it was we don't need you and that may be, you know, a really short-sighted way to look at it, but you can see how a team can start to buy into a fast start and say, you know, why are we putting up with this guy? We're winning without him. And the question I have is when you're 50 games in and the Vegas comes back to earth, are they going to wish they had him? I don't know. It's hard to tell without knowing exactly what was going on in that locker room, but my guess is that this was a situation where they expected him to be more open to the possibility of like taking one for the team and he was just like nah I'm not doing it. Well, the that. most amazing thing that I feel I find about the the Vegas Golden Knights situation isn't the fact that they're winning games. It's the fact that they're winning games with the equivalent of of me you and Jason Martinez manning the pipes. I mean they are down to Manny Legacy. All right, it's not actually Manny Legacy, but it's like let, let, let's call him that. Yeah, I mean, why not? Because he's not going to be in the NHL in a week or two. So, I mean, they are down to like emergency goalies. And they are still winning games. How are they doing it? I guess you know, just timely goals. And honestly, the goalies aren't playing that bad. That's the thing. Like, I guess they're just coming up, and you know, they're uh, they're they're ultra high on adrenaline. And they're playing well, and, well, and, they, they, and maybe tr- there's maybe there's not a book on them, so teams don't really know what to attack. It's it's bizarre. I agree, it's bizarre, and the amount of injuries they've been dealing with on the you know at, at the goaltender position and still winning games. It's it's impressive. It's it's fun. It, that's what it is. It's fun. It's fun that Vegas is off to the start. I don't expect it to continue to this degree, obviously, but it's. Fun. Fun. And we talked about it before the show. It's cool for the Vegas market that they're off to a good start because this is how you build a fan base. And the NHL could use a foothold in that market considering they kind of went out on a limb going there in the first place. What's funny to me is that they traded one of their goalies, Chet Picard, to the Flyers. <laughs> well, no, no, they not the Flyers. They traded him to uh, the oh, Maple, the, Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs. Okay. I yeah. thought, didn't, they, didn't the Flyers get some goalie uh, from San Jose? Oh, 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 you're talking about the minor league deal. Yeah. yeah they, where it was um, like, why did they acquire this guy? Yeah, well, it was just because, uh, I guess they, now I'm blanking on his name, um, former uh, former Flames prospect who they had. Um, oh, God. Jeez. Uh, it doesn't case, really matter in, 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 in I case I up the yeah, team. In any case, there was a young goal, not a young goalie, but like a former top prospect who the Flyers had after the Stolarz injury. Um, who I'm totally blanking on his name, and then I guess they just decided they didn't like him, so they did a goalie swap with with uh, with San Jose. But that was just a minor league deal. Yeah, I, well, my point I guess was that, uh, and I'm sorry, I said Shep Picard. He was a former first round pick um, by the Predators. Um, I meant Calvin Picard. The thing is, they, they had like not a surplus of good goalies, but they had some, and so much so that they felt like they could trade one away to the Maple Leafs. And that was another situation where they didn't really know what to do with this guy, and they kind of need to get rid yeah. of him. And now, you know, if I'm the Maple Leafs, I'm calling them back and being like, you want them back? I mean, yeah. well, you know, like, we'll up the price. But uh, let's talk about some of the surprises that you've, that you've seen this season and some, some not surprises, whether it be players, teams, or what are some things that completely have caught you off guard? 
I think the team that's caught me off guard the most in terms of the fact that they're actually competent are, are the, the Jersey Devils. Like, I never expected them to be anywhere remotely as competent as they are this year. And, you know, part of that is obviously they've, they've added some, um, they've added some rookies. Uh, obviously, Nico Heischer, the number one overall Will pick. Butcher's looked incredible. But yeah, Will Butcher, like, he kind of came out of nowhere. And, like, granted, he won the Hobie last year, so it's not as if he was an unknown player. But generally speaking, like, you know, you you know with with Jimmy Vesey like Jimmy Vesey was like the hyped unsigned pick and like you know he's an NHL player but he's not an impact guy. no I and mean, Butcher looks like an impact guy. well you know and the Hobie Baker which is the, the basically the Heisman for for hockey kind of like the Heisman actually a lot of times these guys like don't really make a huge impact I mean I remember Matt Gilroy was like the bee's knees that guy was a terrible defenseman. <laughs> um, yeah, but Will Butcher, actually, I love his attitude because he gets drafted by by Colorado. They go to Colorado College and go, yeah, we don't want you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they wanted him. You know, Sackick and company comes in and goes, look, I don't know what they told you, but I want you. And his basically feeling was, no, <laughs> no, I'm not playing this game. You don't you don't want to be loyal to me. I'm going to I'm going to go elsewhere. And they try to sign him. But I was surprised when he did sign in, in Jersey because it's. Jersey, it's Jersey, yeah, you know, and they have a great goalie, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I thought looked at it as all right, you get playing time. They must have promised him, you know, top top two pairing, um, but he's making some plays that are just incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, he looks legit, and he was a guy. I mean, I in my fantasy league, like, I picked him up after the first week. Oh, I tried I, to. I was like, why not? Might as well, you know, see if this guy might be legit. And he just keeps going, and the Devils, like, they're they're interesting because their underlying numbers aren't bad. And they were a team that I expected their underlying numbers and all of their their metrics to be be really awful. And like I still don't think they can keep it up because I look at their their depth up and down the lineup, and it still doesn't impress me, especially with uh, with Zajac with Travis Zajac out. But they're doing it, and maybe we have to account for them in the, the Eastern Conference playoff race. Maybe at the very least, like the very least, they're not awful. And that's much better than I thought they were going to be. All right, two teams in my mind that are underperforming: um, Edmonton Oilers. Only have seven points. And I feel like a lot of people were, if they view Connor McDavid, you should have a lot more wins. And he, he's still making plays, but that team's not winning. Um, New York Rangers look absolutely lost. What is up with those two teams? I think the Oilers will bounce back. Um, their big problem so far, as you kind of hinted, is that it's not that McDavid isn't playing well. It's that everyone else is playing like garbage. And they need, you know, a lot of those guys are not that bad. And they will get it going at some point. The only problem there is that, you know, the Western Conference is a tight conference, so getting off to a slow start puts you behind the proverbial eight ball. But I, I do think that they'll they'll figure it out. They're they've driven play fairly well. Granted, they've been behind in most of their games, so that, that sort of helps. But I, I look at their their team from top to bottom, they they should be okay. You know what they should do is trade for Jordan Eberly. Oh, yeah, you know, they're talking about how they're missing scoring wingers. If only they didn't trade two of those guys away. That was a in the bad trade when it happened. Yeah, I mean the the at least at least the uh, the haul for Larson trade, like Larson's been okay for them. I still think it was a bad trade from a, a value trade. standpoint, but like Larson's been useful. Strom has apparently gotten to the point where they are talking about how they don't even want him anymore. Like nine games into the year, yeah, that was quick. <laughs> you gave up on this guy quick, huh? And you're willing to give up Jordan Everly for him? Interesting. Um, the other team you mentioned, the Rangers. I don't know. Honestly, you probably better better explain what's going on with them. But to me, what it what it boils down to in the end is that like if Henrik Lundqvist isn't Henrik Lundqvist anymore, this team is in serious trouble. Yeah, it's <laughs> hasn't been good. Has it's been a, it's been a rough go of it. Um, all right. Well, look, uh, I don't want to keep you here too much longer. Um, you've got articles to write for people that that like me. 
who paid money subscribe. to subscribe, paid money to read those articles. Um, but he is Charlie O'Connor. You can follow him on Twitter at Charlie O underscore con. That's C O N N two N's. Um, and then definitely subscribe. How, how do people subscribe to the Athletic? Uh, so definitely go on the site. There's like a, I think there's a subscribe button in like the upper right hand corner. Um, but also like legitimately. There's almost always a deal going on at some time, whether it's a Philadelphia-related deal or whether it's another city. So I would just, if you're interested in subscribing, I would just kind of poke around uh, the athletic uh, team Twitter accounts and see if you can find a you know 20% off, 30% off deal and uh, and subscribe. Because again, I know this is stick to hockey podcast, but we also have you know we have Shield for the Eagles, we have Derek Bodner for the Sixers. Like the the coverage, the Philadelphia coverage, if that's what you're what you're looking for, really is fantastic from top to bottom. Well, and what I like too, um, and once again, I know this is the Stick to Hockey podcast, but the Eagles just traded for for JHI, and you can get other teams, uh, their their sites, right? So I, I don't know if the Athletic is in Miami yet, not yet. No. But if they had traded with say San Francisco for Carlos Hyde, you could go and you could read what their Athletic beat writer is writing about, and you can get an, an in depth um, opinion on what who this player is and why you got them for so cheap and et cetera, et cetera. So definitely do that. Thoroughly suggested. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All righty. There's your analytics crash course. Uh, Pat Egan and Charlie O'Connor. Thanks to those guys uh, for doing it. Once again, a lot of fun here on the stick to hockey podcast. Check us out on Twitter at stick, the number two hockey pod. Also give us uh, an email. If you want to advertise on the podcast, at stick or stick to hockey biz at gmail.com. And again, if you download this on uh, iTunes or whatever, however you consume the podcast, um, give us a rating, give us a review, um, help us out with that. And we really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun doing this and we're going to get to another podcast actually this week. Uh, Flyers will be back in action Thursday to take on the Chicago Blackhawks. And we'll see if they can get a little bit of consistency going here for the Flyers. Uh, they have a revenge game against the Blackhawks, who they lost to last week in Chicago on rivalry night. Corey Crawford was spectacular in that game. Uh, the Flyers will look for revenge on the home ice coming up on Thursday. Then they're going to wrap up this three mini three-game homestand Saturday with a game against Minnesota before going and taking on Minnesota in their barn coming up on Tuesday. A little home-and-home home action between the Flyers and the Wild. But... Um, We'll get into a lot more stuff here on the podcast. Again, get those questions into us uh, using Twitter at Stick to Hockey Pod, and we'll uh, start answering those on the uh, future episodes as well. So have fun, everybody. Enjoy your hockey this week. For Joe Torty, I'm Jason Martinez. Pat Egan, also thanks to Charlie O'Connor. Thanks for listening to the Stick to Hockey Podcast. We're back with you in just a couple of days. Oh, God.